Well, it's been a long time since I've recorded anything for this podcast. It feels weird to even have the microphone in my hand. And I kid you not, when I went to go find the microphone, it had dust on it. (laughs) It was in the box and the dust had Uh, the box had dust all over it. That's how long it's been. I'm making this episode because I miss talking about films. And I know there's two kinds of people who are going to be listening to this episode. There's going to be somebody listening to this who knows nothing about me (laughs) and just found this episode while they were searching. And then there's going to be people listening to this episode who actually know things about me and know about my life. So for those of you who have listened for a while and you already know, I don't really have to explain a lot of stuff. If you're new and you don't know me, I've had a lot going on in my life recently and I took a really long break from doing any episodes of this podcast because I'm taking care of my mom who has health issues. I'm a caregiver for her. I'm working. I take care of the house. I'm trying to take care of myself. My point is, is that a lot of stuff was happening for me and I had to step away. So there hasn't been the time, the energy, the strength for me to keep up this podcast in a consistent way. I still can't keep it up. That's not what this is. This is a shorter episode. Something that's been difficult the last few years for me beyond just the pandemic because in 2020 when the pandemic hit, that's when my mom's health started to really go downhill. She's been struggling ever since with her mobility and things like that. I've been through some things and gradually my passion for this podcast diminished and it just became a chore. It became something where I felt like, well... You know, I created it, and so I guess I should keep doing it, and people reach out, and they like the episodes, and they seem to like what I share, so I'll just keep doing this thing. But there came a point when I realized, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why I'm talking about films. I don't know who I am anymore, because the last two years... In a lot of ways, once the pandemic started, for sure, felt like an earthquake in my life. So much happened. So much has happened the last couple of years. And there is me before 2020, and then there's me after 2020. And I'm not who I was, and I'll never be that version of me again. I don't even know if I would want to be. I have gone through like a transformation. I'm still in that stage. I think a lot about the chrysalis that the butterfly goes into. And the thing that nobody talks about is that as you're changing or as you're transforming and you're maybe confronting things that you buried, the process of change is painful. Nobody talks about that. That for you to go from one form to another, from one version of yourself to another, is devastating in a way. Even though my life is for the most part, going in a positive direction because of the changes that I started to make where I'm trying to heal, I'm trying to find wholeness, I'm trying to love myself, care for myself, recover from some things that have happened. But when you go, when you realize that you're never going to be who you were before something cataclysmic happens, something that just shakes your life to its core. There's a grief of like what has been lost and the version of you that has been lost. And I've just been struggling with like a kind of disintegration that's been happening to me for a couple of years. And I got to a point where it was like, I can't do these episodes. I don't have it in me 
to give anything to this anymore. And I lost my passion for it. I lost my love for it. Recently, I got to thinking like, I miss this. I miss just talking. I think what I did for a while was I started to believe that I needed to do lots of research about films and I needed to make this really polished. And because I was like, who knows who will come across it and will listen to these episodes. But I think in the process, at times, I put a lot of pressure on myself, a lot of expectation on myself. Sometimes I think when you lose passion for something or you lose your way or you lose yourself, because that's what's been happening. I feel lost. I feel like I don't know who I am. I don't know what I have to say anymore about anything. I don't know how to make sense of the world we're living in. I don't know how to make sense of myself or my life. I know that I'm unhappy. I know that I'm hurting in a lot of ways and sometimes I just don't know what to do but I miss this space and I miss sharing here and so I think sometimes when you lose passion for something maybe at times you need to go back to the beginning and whatever you were doing at the beginning go back to the start and try to figure out what was it that I loved about it at the beginning that's something I've been doing I did the artist way I'm just a few I only have a few weeks left it's a 12 week workbook slash course by Julia Cameron, who was once married to Martin Scorsese, by the way. So the artist's way, it's pretty well known. And a lot of people do it to activate the artist within them. And I started doing it. I'm about to finish it because I really wanted to reconnect with myself as a creative being, as an artistic person and as a writer. I wanted to reconnect with that. What happened or what's been happening is that I've really gotten back to writing in a way that I did when I was a teenager, where I was just writing for myself. And I was just in the creative process and just writing in my diary, writing poems for myself. And I got to thinking, you know, maybe that's what I need to do with this podcast and take the pressure off myself, take the expectation off myself and get back to the beginning, get back to who I was when I started this in 2016. And all it ever was, was a space for me to talk about my emotional connection to cinema, period. I never put myself forth as a critic, a reviewer, a film historian, or even a great podcaster. I was just a woman with a microphone in my bedroom. And I would watch a film and I would talk about it. It was raw. It was personal. And of course, over time, I wanted it to be a bit more polished. I wanted to do more research when I had the time. My life doesn't allow that right now. But I miss the space. And so I decided I want to do some shorter episodes. I want to do episodes right now that are not heavily researched or anything like that. And they're off the cuff and they're spontaneous and they're casual and they're personal. And it's like, I just watched the film and now I want to talk to somebody about it. And that's all. And I want to talk about my life and my feelings. And I want to just put something out there in the world that people can connect to. Something that's genuine. Something that's life affirming. Because I know there are people who listen who do value what I have to share. And I miss offering something. But my life just makes it so that I can't do the regular episodes the way that I used to. Where they're really in-depth and they're really researched. These episodes will just be more casual. And they'll just be me talking to whoever ends up listening to this. And if you want to hear what I have to say, then you can listen. And if you don't want to hear what I have to say, you don't have to listen. But I miss 
I miss the way I used to do it. I miss being more raw. I miss being more personal. I miss not having lots of notes and having it outlined and being more polished. You know what? I'm not polished. I'll be honest. I'm messy and I'm rough around the edges and I'm not for everybody. And I've realized that like, that's okay. I'm a raisin girl. Any of you know Tori Amos? My goddess, she had, I think her most famous song is Cornflake Girl. And she talks about in that song, you know, the cornflake girls, the golden girls, like the beautiful, popular, cool girls. That ain't me. <laughs> I'm the raisin girl. Um, she talks about those. She's hanging with the raisin girls in that song. The raisin girls were more, might be darker, might be more complicated, might be messier. I'm not like everybody. <laughs> I'm a weirdo. That's what I'll say. I'm a weirdo at times. And so I just want to get back to that format. I just want to talk about a film a little bit, not in depth about the film, but if there's something that's calling to me, something that is resonating with me, then I'll talk about it. There's no pressure and it's just me unfiltered. I'll say that these episodes will be unfiltered. That's what they'll be. And unpolished, but that's okay. I just want to put something out in the world that is sincere and genuine and authentic and emotional and that just represents who I am because I think we're living we're living in difficult times. I feel it, we all feel it. The last couple of years have been, like I said, an earthquake for me. My life has forever changed. I have forever changed because of certain experiences. I've been in a lot of darkness. But what's interesting is that it's hard to explain the paradox of my life the last couple of years where I have been pulled down and sunk down to the depths of absolute darkness and pain. And in that darkness is when I have finally found some kind of light. Sometimes when your life is so painful, that's when you need hope the most. That's when you discover hope. I used to be a really hopeless person. I used to be really nihilistic. I would say. Once things started to happen to my mom, once this pandemic started, once I went through a really devastating experience of developing feelings for somebody who didn't reciprocate them, and that whole experience has been harmful to my soul in a lot of ways, what happened with him. And I'm still dealing with the aftermath of that. Everything that I felt for somebody and how I opened my heart to someone and then just felt it crushed within my chest. There's something about heartbreak. And when you go through a lot of heartbreak all at once and you're broken down into all these little pieces and you're just shattered, you find a way through it somehow. And what you do is you take those bits and pieces and you have to put them back together. And that's what I'm doing. Every day I wake up and I'm just trying to put back all these shattered pieces back together into a new form. And instead of running from life, instead of hating life, I want to go toward beauty. I want to go toward light. I want to go toward love. I don't want to be in the darkness forever. So I think sometimes when you go down into those depths and you go down into that heartbreak, you realize how precious your heart is and you realize how precious everything is and you just want life again. You want to feel alive again. You need hope to pull you out of that. I've been thinking a lot about um, myth and mythology. I've been getting interested in tarot, archetypes, 
mythology, Carl Jung, the unconscious. I've just been nourishing myself with all kinds of knowledge. And I've been thinking a lot about mythology. And I love the myth of Demeter and Persephone. And I came across the myth of Persephone. There's actually a very earlier version of it. As many people know, it's a Greek myth, Persephone and Demeter. Persephone, Persephone is out picking flowers. She gets kidnapped by Hades, king of the underworld, and he takes her down into the underworld. Demeter, her mother, is so grief-stricken that she plunges the earth into winter, and that's why we have winter every year. And then when Demeter is reunited with Persephone, that's when we have spring. But there's a much earlier version of the myth that talks about Persephone not as being kidnapped by Hades, but as making a choice to go down into the underworld so that she can comfort the dead. She's called by the dead in the underworld and she chooses to descend to that realm and she has agency. I love how it eliminates the man. <laughs> it eliminates the trauma, it eliminates the assault and it gives her power. She chooses to go to the depths. She chooses to go to the darkness and she can then rise out of that darkness. Like I used to be obsessed with Ophelia and as many of you know, Ophelia drowned. Ophelia went down into the depths, right? But she never came back up because she died. Persephone fascinates me because she goes down into the depths and she comes back. And that's a powerful myth for me. I've started to try to find narratives that help me feel like I'm going to survive the darkness that I'm in and the pain that I am in. And to let me know that this heartbreak will lead me somewhere, that I will come out of it, I will rise out of it, that suffering is not my birthright. And so this transitions really well into Alien by Ridley Scott, which was released in 1979. I would not normally watch a film like Alien. It's sci-fi horror. I don't watch horror much and I don't watch sci-fi, but I'm an open person and I like to be open to different films. And I like going out of my comfort zone because you never know what you're going to discover. And I discovered something profound in this film that I did not expect. And so I urge any of you out there, go out of your comfort zone at times. You never know what you're going to discover and you never know what is going to speak to you at a certain time in your life. And this absolutely spoke to me in a very deep way, this film. The way that I feel like it transitions into what I was saying earlier about Persephone or going into the depths is that um, in Alien, Nostromo, the spaceship is like out in space and it's sort of like out in darkness if you think about it, right? Now, because this is a shorter episode, I'm not going to go in depth about the plot. I'm assuming that those of you who are listening have seen this film and that you know the things that happen in it. I don't need to talk about every single aspect of the film. There are specific things about it that I do want to talk about and that I find really moving. Because more than anything, what I want to do with these episodes is that by talking just in the moment, and just talking about how I feel, I want to get back to the emotional power of cinema and really excavating that. I feel that like film is an art form that can bring healing to us. And if not healing, then it can help us process emotion. It can help us understand things about ourselves. 
It can bring things to the surface that we've repressed. It can bring things out from the unconscious. It can tap into our dreams and our desires, right? David Lynch talks a lot about this. I've been watching a lot of David Lynch. I saw Mulholland Drive, Lost Highway, Inland Empire. What I'm fascinated by with him is the way that his work kind of works on a really intuitive level and taps into our unconscious. That's why I think film is such a rich art form, is the way that it taps into our emotional lives. An alien tapped into something for me that I wasn't quite expecting. The thing that I'm most drawn to about this film and that I specifically want to focus on in this short episode is Ripley, played by Sigourney Weaver, and her, that character, and what happens here. She is a very powerful woman in this film. I love this character. <laughs> like, I absolutely loved her. There's no romantic subplot with her or anything. She is a woman who's smart, stands up for herself. She is the one trying to protect everybody because Kane has the alien life form on his face. As we all know, they're on the ship Nostromo or Nostromo. I don't know how to say it, people. They're out in space. They get these signals from a life form. They go to look into it and he gets this thing attached to his face. I'll say this flat out. This was one of the most terrifying films I've ever watched. I don't watch a lot of horror. I know that's not saying a lot. This is why I tend to stay away from it. It was really intense for me. <laughs> Looking at the alien life forms, I think for 1979, the special effects are pretty amazing too. I was not expecting the sophistication of this film for it to be in the late 70s. And when that thing was attached to Kane's face, that was terrifying to me. But Ripley doesn't want to let him on the ship. She's thinking of the collective. She's thinking of everybody on board. Ash overrides her in the decision to let Kane on the ship. And that will have disastrous consequences. I thought it was fascinating in this film how, how this woman, she is so smart and nobody will listen to her. <laughs> None of the men will listen to her. But she she knows. And she is trying to protect everybody. She knows that it's dangerous to let this foreign life form onto the ship and what it could do. And they won't listen to her. And by the end of the film, though, everybody dies but her. She's the one who survives. The biggest part of this film that resonated with me, besides just how amazing Ripley is. And I guess you'd call her like a badass, a powerful woman. There's all this discourse about strong female characters. I think I've been critical of it at times because I don't always relate to the strong female characters. I relate to like Barbara Loden's Wanda. I relate to the women who are... <laughs> The women who are lost and struggling and passive and just trying to survive life. And I don't feel powerful. I don't feel active. I don't feel like an active participant in life. But the last couple of years, particularly the last few months, I have had to take my life into my own hands in a lot of ways. I have felt like in so much pain over my life and just going through this disintegration almost, like this nervous breakdown, this ongoing nervous breakdown that I've been going through. And I realized like you've got to get yourself together. You've got to take care of of yourself. You've got to take action here and you can't be 
a passive spectator in your life anymore because you're miserable. I feel truly like my soul has been crying out. I feel like that is why I've just been hurting so much. I feel like I've been hurting for a really long time. And instead of tending to that hurt and instead of tending to that wound and confronting things, I buried things. I, I repressed things And I engaged in self-destructive acts as a way to avoid what I was feeling and what was happening in my life. All the trauma and the loss, the deprivation and the loneliness and the aching and the heartbreak. And it's like I just crumbled. I just buckled underneath it. And I didn't take care of myself. I didn't love myself. I hated myself. Couldn't even acknowledge how like miserable I was in my life. And now I know that I am. And I know that I have to do something about it. I think that can be the hard thing about change, about acknowledging our demons or what we want out of life. Like when you actually name your suffering, when you name your unhappiness, it can be really painful because... Once you do that, well, then what do you do about it? What action do you take to change it? I have a lot of issues. I have a lot of things I struggle with. Longtime listeners know this. I have intense, severe anxiety. I have agoraphobia. I am struggling a lot in my life. That's just the reality. I was just buckling under it and crumbling under it, and I didn't know what to do. And I've had to, like, take action I've tried, I've had to say, you know what, I'm going to try to heal. I'm going to try to go toward wholeness. I'm going to take responsibility for my life. I'm going to take better care of my mental and physical health. And I'm going to try to cope better. I'm going to have better coping skills because other coping skills are can be more self-destructive and you can get in a cycle with it. Yeah, just a lot of things have happened. I wasn't going to talk about this but I'll just briefly mention it because I think it's relevant. I developed limerence for someone. This happened in late 2020, and it's just been a devastating experience. This was the person I developed feelings for, and it was not just a crush. A crush is mild. (laughs) A crush is usually kind of pleasant. When you develop limerence for somebody, it's basically like an addiction, you get addicted to a person and it's usually one-sided. That's why it's not love or anything. You become obsessed with a person and addicted to them. It's devastating to your mental health. At times I felt like I was losing my mind. It has been very damaging to me. I realized recently that I probably have OCD tendencies, possibly. I have intrusive and obsessive thoughts. And that's connected to the limerence. But I also have had intrusive thoughts for a lot of my life. And I didn't even realize that I had them until recently when I learned about them. So this is more of a self-diagnosis. I don't, I haven't been diagnosed with OCD or anything like that. But I did want to mention it because it's part of my reality now that I have obsessive thoughts. I have intrusive thoughts. And the limerence was a trigger for all of this. It's been a really painful experience that I've had for close to two years. I felt like I was losing my mind at times. I felt really unwell and unstable because of this obsession that I developed for somebody, this addiction to somebody's attention, to talking to somebody. It's like a person addiction. And so this limerence took over my life for 
at this point, a year and a half over this person who I developed an intense bond with and who did not reciprocate that kind of interest in me. And the limerence has just been absolutely terrible. And the obsessive thoughts torment me pretty much every day and have tormented me every day for close to two years. And I'm trying to take action to deal with them better, to cope with things better, to find better strategies and techniques to deal with them. But the whole experience, what the limerence has shown me and taught me is like, The reason that I fell into this, the reason that I fell into this obsession was because of how unhappy I think my life was or how unhappy I was in my life. And when I met this guy, I wanted to feel good. And so I got addicted to talking to him and I got lost in my dreams about him and a life with him. And I just wanted to be loved. I mean, at the end of the day, it's universal and it's simple. I wanted to be loved. I was in a lot of pain being a caregiver for my mom, going through the pandemic. I met him in late 2020. I just wanted to be loved. And I really liked this person and I wanted him to like me back. And then I got obsessed and addicted and it just became this catastrophic mess, like this catastrophic thing that took over my life. The obsessive thoughts are just terrible. And what it did to me, what it turned me into, because it's an addiction. When you talk to that person, you feel euphoric. You feel like you have this high. You feel more alive than you've ever felt in your life. Everything's brighter. Everything's technicolor. And then when you don't talk to them or they don't respond to you, you are in the depths of horrific pain. It is horrible. It's like a substance, an addictive substance. And when it's taken away, you have that withdrawal. And it has taken me to some very deep, dark, horrible places. And I am still trying to pull myself out of it. I mention it only because it is relevant to what I'm going to say about Alien. And I also mention it in case other people are listening and have had this experience. You're not alone in it. It's one. It's a one-sided obsession addiction to a person, basically. They do not reciprocate. And so that's part of the pain as well, is that you are into this person and they're not into you. It's just horrible. So I mention it in case anybody's listening, in case they've been through it themselves or may go through it in the future. It's deeply painful and you feel like you're losing your mind. You feel unstable. You feel unwell. You don't understand it. You don't have full control over it. But I am trying to pull myself out of it. I'm trying to survive it. I'm trying to grow as a result of it because I think what happened is when I met this person, he stirred very deep things inside of me. He stirred desires for love, for partnership, for connection, for a different life. He just stirred all these very deep, deep things within me. And those things just surged out of me. It was violent. It's sort of like a an emotionally violent experience or psychologically violent. I think I just desperately wanted to be saved. I wanted to be loved. I wanted a different life. I wanted to escape my life. And I just sort of put all of that on an, on a person. 
but I only met online too. So that made me feel even more unwell. I never met him in real life. <laughs> I only knew him online, but I opened up a lot to him and I shared a lot with him for a while and I felt this deep connection to him and it just took me over and I fell into this limerence that I still struggle with. I still struggle with the obsessive thoughts in particular. And so it's like this demon <laughs> or something that took over my life. What I wanted to talk about with Alien is about letting the alien onto the ship. And the way that I see that is what do we let into our lives? Who do we let into our lives? I let this person in and I let the limerence in because there came a point when I surrendered to it. I felt a lot for him, but then I just fully just fell into it and surrendered to it. Fell into a very deep obsession with this person. I didn't necessarily have to do that. There was just a point at which I gave into it. I gave into all these feelings and all these things that I, that I felt for him and I gave into those daydreams and those reveries and I became like an addict and he was the substance. Talking to him was the substance. And so when she lets that alien into the ship, it made, I just thought about that. It was like, what do we let in? Who do we let in? And what kind of power can that thing take on inside of us when we let it in? Because I let it in. I let him in. And I can't get it out. I can't get him out of me. It's a very powerless feeling in a way. When you let something dark into your life. And that's what happens in this film. How do we get it out? That's what the alien is for me, is that thing that you let in, that you shouldn't let in. <laughs> you know you shouldn't let it in. Your intuition is like alarm bells are going off about a person, about a situation, and you become contaminated by this thing that you let into your life. And it doesn't have to be a person. Think about the news Think about social media, all the, the things that we consume, everything that that brings into our lives, the way that it can bring depression, anxiety, the way we can let a thought in and it can grow and grow and grow, the way that we can let a fear in and it can grow into this massive monster. Because the thing is, is like at first, it's just this thing on his face. And by the end of the film, it is this massive monster. It's terrifying and it's huge and it's dangerous because it was allowed onto the ship and it fed on what was there in the ship and it grew and it grew and it grew. And so when I watched this film, I didn't expect to find this metaphor right, of what this alien is and what it becomes. But what I also found in the character of Ripley was a very powerful narrative about survival and overcoming the thing that you let in. So for me, that alien is the limerence, but it's also the obsessive thoughts, the intrusive thoughts that I struggle with. That for me right now is what the alien represents, is letting that into my life and the power that it took and what it did to me how now I'm having to fight this I'm having to fight for myself fight for my to get control and power over my mind again to free my mind 
from obsession and addiction and fear. I also struggle with anxiety. So that alien could be anxiety for me. It could be unhealthy coping mechanisms that I've had, uh, unhealthy coping skills, self-destructive tendencies that I've had for a lot of my life and that I'm trying to fight back against. By the end of the film, Ripley is a survivor. She makes it out alive and she destroys the alien. She saves herself. It's like, how do you destroy the thing that's trying to destroy you? Because that's what happens. This thing is trying to destroy her and she has to destroy it first. She has to get it out of her life. She has to get it off the ship. She tries to destroy the ship, but it gets on her pod. And then she has to get it out of her pod. And that's what she does. She's a survivor and she vanquishes the alien. She outsmarts the alien and she frees herself and she saves herself at the end of the film. And she is left standing. She is triumphant. It's a hopeful ending in a lot of ways for me personally. To see this woman take on something so violent and threatening and terrifying. She confronts this monster and she beats it. She overcomes it. And so it reminds me, whatever I'm going through, the anxiety, the obsessive thoughts, whatever's tormenting me, whatever I'm struggling up against, I can overcome it. I will overcome it. I will take my life back. I will free myself from this. I will free my mind. I will save myself. I've always had to save myself. In a lot of ways, I am Ripley. I've always had to be a survivor. And I've always had to destroy the thing that was trying to destroy me. And so maybe I'm not as passive as I think I am. Maybe I'm not as weak as I think I am because I'm still here. Just like Ripley is still there and she's still alive by the end of the film. And I think there's a powerful narrative there for a woman like me who is battling her demons, battling her monsters. We are all battling our monsters, aren't we? They just come in different forms. You may never experience limerence. You may never get addicted or obsessed with a person and have that take over your life for almost two years. I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of what it says about me. I'm not proud that people could be listening and judge me and think that I'm unwell and think that I'm weird and think that I'm out of my mind and oh my god there's a judgment and I've already felt so much shame about it but I try to to fight the shame too I mean the monster could be shame it could be a deep shame that you feel for something that you've done or a guilt or an embarrassment or whatever it is whatever that demon or monster is or the multiple monsters that you're dealing with it could be anything And so I went out of my comfort zone and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch Alien. I didn't expect a lot. I didn't know what to expect because I never watch films like this. And by the end of the film, I was like almost in tears because I was like, yeah, I'm going to be Ripley. And whatever this darkness is and whatever this monster is that I'm fighting right now, because I seem to always be fighting something that I'm trying to survive, I will overcome it. And I'll vanquish it and I'll survive and I'll save myself. And that narrative's really powerful for me personally. And that's what I found in this film. And that's what I wanted to share in this episode.
that I thought was going to be short and then it got long, a little bit longer than I expected, but that's okay. Those are my thoughts just about that component of Alien and the idea of that monster and the power of Ripley herself and how she is the last person standing and she is the one who saves herself and she destroys the thing that is trying to destroy her. And I find something really powerful about that. And I love her character. I love her strength. I love everything that she does. Love Sigourney Weaver in this. And so I really just wanted to talk about that component of the film, that emotional connection that I felt and the way that it connects to my own life and my own ongoing struggles. And I think that's a really beautiful thing about film is the way that it connects to our lives, the things that it makes us feel and the way that it can give us a new framework or a new way of looking at ourselves or looking at our lives and it can give us strength. I, th I felt stronger after watching this. Like, yeah, I'm going to be Ripley. I want to be Ripley. That's who I want to be. I want to defeat this monster or maybe I need to find a better way to live with my monsters where they're not so powerful or maybe I need to be careful what I'm letting in. Like, look at the portals through which things are entering and like, what and who are you letting into your life? And what are they doing when they get in there? Because sometimes that's the better strategy is to not let something in in the first place. I don't mean closing yourself off to love or closing yourself off to people, but you do have to make decisions and you do have to be selective about what you're letting into your life and who you're letting into your life. And sometimes the thing we go to to escape our pain ends up causing us even more pain when we don't face the real things that are happening. I've been learning a lot the last few years and changing. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about this film for a little bit. And I appreciate any of you who listened. And I hope this was of value. And until next time, keep watching great films. Bye for now.